Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. When you're the president of the United States, you can't be saying this off the cuff. Your job is to de-escalate. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? Uh-oh, Richard. Oh, wow. Love will make you do crazy things. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. The smack heard around the world. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. That's a, uh, yeah, right. Arts and Sciences. Is launching a formal review into the Will Smith and Chris Rock altercation during the Oscars last night. Now, I haven't watched the Oscars in a long, long, long time. Maybe back in my high school days, which is decades ago, uh, I avoid watching them. I mean, I actually heard something. Oh, the Oscars are on tonight. No, no, I don't be watching them. Uh, I mean, it is a mutual admiration society and a closed community of overpaired, arrogant narcissists. And for the most part, is a gathering of the most liberal, most privileged, most detached people on the planet. And uh, I don't need to be lectured for three hours by the woke Hollywood types who haven't interacted with normal people for decades themselves. Um, Nonetheless, pandemonium ensued last night. Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkin Smith. Now, uh, maybe it was done to revive the sagging ratings, but apparently not. Although when it happened, apparently people on stage that were, you know, getting ready to go on for something actually thought it was was staged, that it was a part of the night's performance. Uh, As it turns out, it wasn't. Here's how it went down last night. I love you. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. All right. <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh. Richard. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You the- my name out your mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. So uh, that's how it went down. And by the way, some talking heads are saying Chris Rock is being praised for not hitting Will Smith back that we need to applaud him, applaud him for his professionalism. Now, the, the, the background to all this is Chris Rock joke about um, Will Smith's wife. And it was a G.I. Jane joke. Will Smith's wife, Jada, has a disease called alopecia which there's a bunch of different forms about this, but because she has an alopecia to one degree or another makes your hair fall out. Some cases of alopecia are so bad that 
all your hair on your body it falls out. Uh, the, the least severe case of alopecia would just be patches fall out. Either way, it is uh, you, you look at an individual and you sort of stare at them because, you know, half their head, their hair is falling out. So what a lot of people do, and Jada did as well, is they cut their hair way back. Now, she doesn't have a shaved head, as some people do, uh, women or men, but um, she had it cut way, way back. And, of course, Demi Moore starred in G.I. Jane, I don't know how many years ago, 1997. So what is that, 25 years ago? Uh, And she had to shave her head for the part. So Chris Rock comes out and makes this joke about Will Smith's wife. Now, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this. It's not normally a story that we would cover. But, uh, you know, some people would say that this is an overreaction by Will Smith. Was it? Eh, maybe. But it was also a very heartless, insensitive comment by Chris Rock. And frankly, part of me admires Will Smith for publicly standing up for his wife's dignity and honor. Now, some have insinuated that Will Smith in other uh, areas of life has not honored his wife well. In fact, Somebody just told me, <laughs> our producer just told me that apparently Will Smith and his wife say they have an open marriage. I have no clue about that. All I'm saying is there was a time in our country's history that it was expected for a husband to defend his wife's honor and dignity in the manner that Will Smith did. I mean, we abhor violence. Well, do we abhor Having your wife dishonored in public? And listen, I'm not saying go out and smack somebody if they look cross-eyed at you, but I I, I think Will Smith, to a certain degree, and again, I don't know his background, but just based on what I saw last night, well, what I saw from last night, I wasn't watching it. I I was horizontal and unconscious by the time this took place. But uh, listen, we've all said insensitive things, off-the-cuff things for which we need to go back and make amends. I understand that. I doubt that the comments by Chris Rock were off-the-cuff. I mean, you don't go on worldwide TV and ad-lib it. I'm sure that that was written out and uh, memorized by uh, Chris Rock. You know, was Will Smith over the top? Eh, Probably. Was Chris Rock? Yes, he was. Uh, what's the, the backstory or the, the rest of the story, shall we say? A CNN analyst appeared to blame who for what happened last night at the Oscars? Are we going to blame Will Smith? Are we going to blame Chris Rock? No, we're going to blame Donald Trump. I'm not kidding. CNN's Asha Rangappa immediately blamed Donald Trump for the incident. Rangappa is one of the network's most outspoken liberals. Uh, she was mocked for her uh, tweets that this was Donald Trump's uh, fault. By the way, she was also mocked last year for comparing a Southwest pilot who objected to President Biden. She compared him, the, the pilot, to an ISIS sympathizer because he signed off his announcement. You might remember this. We talked about it when it happened. Uh, the, the pilot signed off his announcement for the passengers by saying, let's go, Brandon. So that's equivalent to being an ISIS sympathizer. Um, 
Rangapa also last year doxed an intern from the Washington Free Beacon, putting her personal contact information on Twitter for the world to see and mocked her as Karen when Rangapa was forced to remove the message. So she can go out and vilify people. She can say whatever she wants. Rangapa is also a senior lecturer at Yale University, once criticized uh, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley for going by Nikki instead of Nimrata, which is the name on her birth certificate. In February, uh, Rangapa tweeted her support to uh, continue wearing COVID masks. Just a little insight to someone who would blame. I mean, Donald Trump gets blamed for everything. Uh. So Biden has come out with a new budget. And in this budget, he outlines a new minimum tax on billionaires' unrealized gains. And by the way, he says billionaires. It's actually millionaires. Uh, Biden today unveiled a new minimum tax targeting billionaires slash millionaires as a part of his 23 budget request, 2023 budget request, proposing a 20% rate that would hit both the income and unrealized capital gains of wealthy Americans. The quote, now this is the name of it, the quote billionaire minimum income tax would establish a 20% minimum tax on all U.S. households worth more than $100 million or about 0.01% of Americans. Now, first of all, realize that when the camel gets its nose in the tent, the rest of the body is coming in. In other words, uh, yeah, that's, that's his starting point. How soon will it apply to anybody worth a million bucks? Then when will it go down to 500000 Then when will it go down to 100000 The White House projected that more than half the revenue generated by the tax would stem from the country's 700 billionaires. If enacted, the tax would reduce the deficit, which sits at $3 trillion, by about $360 billion over the next decade. Now, this is uh, rather bizarre because his new budget released today is a $5.8 trillion budget for 2023. And he is saying that, hey, well, you know what? This new tax will cover $360 billion over the next decade. So uh, you're not keeping up with it, Joe. And in other words, uh, this is by the this is classic classic progressive class warfare which is you know part of their modus operandi let's get one class mad at the other class and we'll make we'll make everybody mad at those 700 billionaires because they're so greedy and we will look like Joe Biden and the progressives will look like the heroes to the little people well i got news for you they're coming after you little people as well President Biden is a capitalist, and he believes that anyone should be able to become a millionaire or billionaire, the White House said in a statement. He also believes that it is wrong for America to have a tax code that results in America's wealthiest households paying a lower tax rate than working families. That is simply not true. I mean, it's, it's not, uh, oh, if, you, if you're worth X number of dollars, you don't have to pay any taxes. You, you pay more taxes than the lower households. Now, obviously, if you're invested in certain properties, this unrealized tax gain, uh, the, listen, 
Think about this. Here we are living under Joe Biden's inflation. The biggest hike in prices we have seen in 40 years. Thank you, Joe Biden. Under the Biden inflation, the value of your real estate increases, let's say, by 10% over a year, which is uh, more than that this year. But let's just use 10%. So let's say um, you've got a bunch of investments in real estate that add up to $50 million. Uh, you know, that's not a lot. I mean, I know, I know for the average person out there, that's a phenomenal amount of money. But there are a lot of people that own $50 million worth of real estate. So, and they, they might have their name on it, but they and the bank own it. So think about this, $50 million worth of real estate, inflation goes up by 10% in a year. That's 5 million bucks. Joe just made a million dollars on his 20% off of his irresponsible malfeasance. So Joe causes the, the inflation and, and, and then your real estate values theoretically go up by $5 million. Joe is going to tax you 20% on that $5 million. Now, here's the other question. What happens if a person loses? I mean, because the same thing applies not only to real estate, but it could also apply to your stock portfolio. So what if your stocks go down? Do you get a tax break? I don't think so. What if the value of your real estate, listen, back in 2008, a lot of people saw the value of their real estate decline. In fact, just about all of us did. Would there be a big tax break that year? I don't think so. Anyway, I, you know, this is, uh, I, I, if this passes, which I, I, I doubt, I, I would be shocked if, um, somebody like Joe Manchin decided he would get in as a part of this. I would just, I would, I'd be shocked and it could happen, but if it does pass and the Republicans, it looks like, again, like, I mean, more and more polls come out day after day. It looks like the Republicans will take the house and the Senate. It won't be there for long. It'll be overturned pretty quick, but Hey, here's a good idea, Joe. How about stop spending so much money? And you want to balance the budget? I mean, he came out on this budget that he released today. The White House released the president's fiscal year 2023 budget this morning, which, quote from the White House, sends a clear message that we value fiscal responsibility. <laughs> we value physical res- resp- fiscal responsibility, safety and security at home and around the world. This from the president. Yeah, right. Now, the, the thing that the Biden administration is leading with, and that they, this is what they came out with today, President Biden on Monday released his $5.8 trillion budget proposal for 2023, which he said calls for, quote, one of the largest investments in our national security in history, including funding to ensure the U.S. military remains the best prepared, best trained, best equipped military in the world. Hey, that doesn't sound bad, does it? How about that? Joe's all about uh, making sure we have... uh, the best armament of anybody in the world. Well, yeah, before you get too excited, the uh, military budget increase is 1.5%. <laughs> but that's what he's leading with. Uh, you want to find out what else is in there? 
uh, because it's not pretty. They unveiled their first budget proposal to Congress, taking a glimpse in, uh, into it. Department of Agriculture, $27.8 billion, up 16%. Um, Department of Commerce, up uh, 28%. Department of Education, up 41%. Department of Energy, up uh, 40, um, 10%. And uh, w- wait for it, that's going to be uh, AKA clean energy. Uh, Health and Human Services, up 23.5%. Homeland Security, up, um, well, $1.2 billion for border infrastructure. What is that for? That's not going to be for the fence, I can tell you that. Uh, $2.1 billion for cyber agency. Um, Department of Housing and Urban uh, Development, up 15%. Department of Interior up 16%, Department of Justice up 5.3%. So uh, don't get too excited as Joe comes out and tells you how wonderful all this is for uh, our military. Hey, we're going to take time uh, out right now, but lots more to talk about. Stay with us. We'll be right back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Quick look for your weather. Uh, clear tonight, low around 28. So uh, you might have to cover up some of those plants out there that uh, could be damaged. Um, yeah, certain blooms on flowers might look a little wilted after tomorrow if it gets down as low as 28 if you don't cover them up. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, high near 52. I am ready for some warm weather to be uh, with us on a regular basis. It does warm up by Wednesday at high near 71. Thursday, 80% chance of rain, but it will be warmer, 78 degrees. Friday is the uh, best-looking day out there, perhaps, 71 and lots of sunshine the weekend's not too bad. Sunshine and high in the upper 60s. So all in all, we're finally getting there. It just seems like old man winter wants to hold on. PJ Media is reporting on, uh, as well as the Wall Street Journal, is Putin signaling an end game to the Ukraine war? Russia's apparent decision to change its Ukraine war plan underscores how Moscow is trying to secure territory closest to its own border, according to a weekend report by The Wall Street Journal. Quote, our forces and resources will focus on the primary objective, full liberation of Donbass, said Sergei uh, Ruskoy of the Russian General Staff of Moscow, official Russian 24 propaganda outlet. NBC News reported Rutsko's statement, Ukraine's ability to fight has been significantly reduced, adding that this makes it possible once again to focus on the main efforts on achieving the main goal, the liberation of Donbass. Donbass, the Ukrainian eastern energy-rich industrial area, populated in cities by many ethnic Russians, Rutskoy isn't making a whole lot of sense here, says the uh, Wall Street Journal. If, quote, liberating Donbass was always the main goal, then why was the Russian army focused? Why wasn't the Russian army focused on it from the start? A focused invasion of just the Donbass area using overwhelming force 
could have been a repeat of Russian strongman Vladimir Putin's annexation of Crimea in 2014. The effort was complete, quickly, and uh, yet this time, that's not what they did. They went in and tried to take down the entire nation of Ukraine by taking down Kiev. Rudskoy's um, admitted that Putin has drastically scaled down his war aims. The full-scale invasion, now more than a month old, isn't going particularly well for Russia. Uh, in fact, it's now being reported today that Ukrainian forces have retaken a couple of cities that Russia had taken. Uh, so are we trying to help Putin find an off-ramp here? Will Ukrainians agree to giving up Donbass? Interestingly, Fox News is reporting Russian oligarch Ukrainian peacekeepers suffer suspected poisoning after Kiev meeting. Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich, and he was the one that owned the Chelsea Soccer Club in London, uh, which he ended up uh, trying to sell. I don't know if he sold it or not. Abramovich and at least two other senior Ukrainian peacekeepers suffered symptoms from suspected poisoning attack but have since recovered, according to a report published Monday. Following a meeting, meeting in Kiev earlier this month, Abramovich and two senior members of the Ukrainian peacekeeping team began experiencing symptoms that included red eyes, constant and painful tearing, and peeling of skin on their faces and hands, according to the Wall Street Journal. Citing unnamed sources familiar with the incident, the newspaper said it's not clear who's responsible for the alleged attack, but the victims pointed to hardliners in Moscow trying to sabotage talks to end the war. The three officials have since improved in condition and their lives are not in danger following the suspected poisoning, the sources said. The sources added that Western experts said it was difficult to determine whether the symptoms were caused by a chemical or biological agents or by some sort of electromagnet radiation attack. Uh, well, Putin is... Um, yeah, he has a history of poisoning people he has disagreements with. So that's no big shocker there. The Real Clear Politics, which I would say is a um, middle-of-the-road publication. By no means, I would say it is a ultra-conservative publication. They've got a story out today on a new study into the 2020 election discrepancies in six battleground states claiming that there was at least 250,000 excess votes for Joe Biden and potentially many more. The claim is made in a forthcoming peer review study conducted by economist John Lott Jr. for the journal Public Choice. The study awaits its final approval, but says that as many as 368,000 excess votes in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin may have tipped the election to Joe Biden, according to Loft, who reported his findings at Real Clear Politics. Biden only carried these states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, by a total of 313,253 votes. Now, I'm not sure what the population is, the collective population of those six states, but um, it's a whole lot more than 312,000 or 313,000, I can tell you that. Excluding Michigan, if you take away Michigan, the five states, the other five states, 
Biden only carried those states by 159,000 votes. Lott insists that the point of his work isn't to contest the 2020 election, but he says it's to point out that we have a real problem that needs to be dealt with. Americans must have confidence in future elections, he says. And listen, they don't. I mean, I think we're going to win in November. I think conservatives and Republicans are going to win in November if they don't cheat, if this doesn't happen again. Lott says that he has the receipts. He reviewed the voter registration registration rolls, in-person vote counts, absentee voting, and provisional ballots in various counties where fraud allegedly took place and compared them to like counties where these metrics should have been similar. Instead, he found statistically improbable differences suggesting that fraud likely occurred. In other words, he took counties where that were have been very consistent over years and years and years of voting and sees the pattern. And what happens is you have these select few counties where there's these huge anomalies in last year's in the 2020 general election. And what happens is, is well, this can't be. This I mean it, it goes back to the fact that things like Donald Trump got more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, and yet he lost. That never happens. When you have things like the Republicans picked up seats in the House, and yet Donald Trump lost the election. That never happens. And now he's looking at these counties, county by county, and says, wait a minute. So these other counties where there was no discrepancy, they have the same voting patterns that they should have had and that you would expect. And yet you have these select counties in these six states where you have these anomalies that are just beyond the pale. In 2016, there was no unexplained gap in absentee ballot counts. But 2020 was a different story, Lot explained. Just in Fulton County, Georgia, my test yielded an unexplained 17,000 votes, 32% more than Biden's margin over Trump in the entire state. So, I mean, you can go back and you say, well, 32% more, but yeah, but this was a COVID election. Well, the 32% more is the same election. You're just talking about one county to the next county in Georgia. So in Fulton County, there was this spike of 32%. Lott ran similar comparisons in counties in other states and found similar discrepancies. Republican-leading swing state counties had higher turnouts relative to the 2016 election. Democrat-leaning counties had lower turnouts, except for the Democrat counties with alleged vote fraud, which they had very high turnouts. Explain that. So where the fraud occurred... You had these extremely high voter turnouts for Democrats. But in every other county that are Democrat swing counties, there was a lower than normal voter turnout. And again, there's another anomaly. You have in the in the Republican counties, they had an extremely high turnout. And yet, and yet Biden quote won. Lott believes that his estimates actually understate the true amount of fraud as he did not attempt to identify potential in-person fraud. 
Nevertheless, he acknowledges that it's too late to resolve what happened in 2020 and that we need to look forward to fixing the problems that make our elections susceptible to fraud. And But uh, you, you take this, and what do the progressives say? There's no fraud going on. You're delusional. That's not happening. What are you talking about? Vote fraud erodes trust in elections and make people less motivated to vote, Lot said, compared to— and, and we saw that in the special runoffs elections in Georgia. So the, the, they they che- there is pretty obvious fraud taking place in the general election. Then you have these special elections just two months later, and what happens? Republicans look at it and say, why bother? And they ended up—so so the Democrats won twice. When all demographic and political groups in the United States support voter photo IDs, and even 46% of Democrats believe that mail-in voting leads to cheating, ignoring American concerns won't make the problem go away. Majority of Americans believe in voter ID, photo ID, and the Democrats don't want it. Why? Because they want to cheat. Listen, I know, oh, it's politically incorrect to say that they're— you know, that fraud gave the election to Biden. Well, count me in on that crowd. Town Hall's reporting that Jonathan Perkins, who is the director for race and equity at the University of California in Los Angeles, I'm sure that's a conservative bastion, tweeted his wish for Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas to die after news broke that Thomas was hospitalized for an infection. Quote, the, the whole rule we're not to wish ill on people is silly, he said. Perkins added, Uncle Thomas is a sexist token who committed himself to making us all share in he and his treasonous wife's misery. And I'm over it. He's bad. He literally endangered the lives of countless of countries' vulnerable populations. Um, wait a minute. How many millions of the most vulnerable have died under the Democrats at the Supreme Court? Uh, the most vulnerable, the baby in the womb, that's about as vulnerable as you can get. How many millions have died from that? Jonathan Perkins Perkins further said he did not believe Thomas was actually sick because y'all really think he just so happened to secretly be admitted to the hospital for an unidentified ailment the exact day the January 6th committee released leaked information implicating him and his wife. No, they didn't. They released accusations. No one wants to openly admit we all hope Clarence Thomas dies. Now, again, I, I said this last week. I mean, this is not—this th- is the most blunt. Others strongly insinuated they hope Clarence Thomas died. Some came out and said it directly. Um, but my gosh, when Obama was in office, if you just came out and disagreed with his policies, I mean, you could say, you know, he's, he's a good guy, seems to be a fine guy, good dad, seems to be a faithful husband. But if you disagreed with his policies, you were you were branded as a racist. And the mainstream media was all too happy to pick up and run with that. Here you can take Clarence Thomas, 
The oldest, oldest justice on the Supreme Court, I would say the most conservative justice on the Supreme Court, and you can wish him dead. That's fine. Can you imagine if somebody came out that worked at this university, this guy, again, is director for race and equity at University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. Can you imagine if somebody at that institution had said what this guy said about Obama when he was president or said it today about Obama? He would have been fired on the spot, tenured or tenured not. He would have been fired on the spot. This guy, he'd probably get a promotion. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us. News and Views continues to on Monday right after this. Brandon's heroics. This, uh, Brandon, she, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and Let's news go, on 96.3 and 103.7. Uh, here's another good reason to live in eastern North Carolina. Have you seen the video of the wreck on I-85? This is about two out mid mid uh, Pennsylvania, about two hours west of Philadelphia. There was a snow squall in there and ice covered roads. I mean, you think it's cool down here today. Uh, it is below freezing up there. You had a snow squall combined with fog and ice all over the highway, and um, somewhere between fifty and sixty cars piled up. I mean, Fox News, if you go on Fox News, I don't know. If, do you have the video of that? Uh, uh, Clark, go, go to Facebook or go to Cable 7, and Clark's going to bring up the uh, the video of this. But there was an amateur, um, I guess he filmed it with his phone, who was a part of the wreck. He got out of his car, and uh, his car was smashed up numerous times. He had to get up out of the road because so many cars and trucks were just slamming in one to another. Uh, some caught on fire. Unfortunately, at least three people have lost their lives, but there's 50 to 60 cars involved in this pileup earlier today. They're still untangling cars. And the thing about it is, apparently it was um, like black ice. People didn't see it until they tried to hit their brakes. It was foggy, and there was a snow squall. People drove into the snow squall because a snow squall, you know, I mean, had it been snowing all over the place, uh, people would have slowed way down, but they just sort of drove into this blinding snow squall, couldn't see anything. The traffic had stopped, and you have cars and trucks coming in at 50 and 60 miles an hour that were just ended up, uh, it, it was just sheer ice just slamming into one another is a sad story. Hopefully nobody else loses their lives, but uh, numerous cars involved in this and just pray that nobody else does lose their life in this, but uh, what a mess. Another reason <laughs> I am happy to be a little South of the Mason Dixon line town hall is reporting 
The mainstream media loves to run with stories that begin with the words, something along the lines, the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. I mean, how many stories do we have to go through that we hear that same, oh, this is it for Donald Trump. He's going down. I mean, first of all, when Michael Avenatti, who's now in jail, was using Stormy Daniel. Oh, yeah. If you're looking online, Clark uh, just brought up the video of uh, what was happening in Pennsylvania. It's just unbelievable video. There you go. There you see it. This is this is what happened up in Pennsylvania. Tractor trailers, cars just slamming one to another. It's it's amazing that more people didn't lose their lives. Just if you're listening on radio, it's just unbelievable. Uh, go Google this on Fox News or or bring up uh, Rumble after you get home and uh, fast forward to this section. But boy, it was just unbelievable as cars just came in full throttle. Uh, it couldn't even couldn't even slow down one iota before they slammed into other cars and trucks. And unfortunately, one of the trucks, which was a tanker, apparently they had something flammable inside the tanker and it caught on fire. And uh, wow, what a mess. Anyway, getting back to this. Yeah, look at that. Look at that pickup. I mean, uh, a commercial tow truck that would tow tractor trailers. He came sliding in pretty much at full speed. So even the guys that were there to rescue got in trouble. Uh, getting back to this other story out of town hall, mainstream media loves to run with stories that the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. Y- you had Michael Avenatti use Stormy Daniels. He went to jail. Stormy Daniels is found guilty in that story, and she has to pay Donald Trump 300000 The January 6th Select Committee trying to indict Trump for rebellion, prevent him from ever running again. That's falling apart. The, the Russian collusion circus, that fell apart. Democrats tried to impeach him twice. Never worked. Guess what? It's happened again. The walls are closing in on Donald Trump. I mean, we heard that over the last couple of months as it relates to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office investigating Donald Trump. Uh, They have now indefinitely suspended their investigation. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg stopped pursuing charges against Trump and suspended the investigation, quote, indefinitely. One of the top prosecutors who resigned from the office said in his resignation letter, but disagreed with the decision, Mark Pomerantz and Kerry Dunn, who had been leading the investigation under former DA Cyrus Vance, submitted their, regula- uh, their resignations after Bragg began raising doubts about pursuing a case against Trump. Quote, you have reached the decision not to go forward with a grand jury presentation and not to seek criminal charges at the present time, Pomerantz said. Um, He put this in his resignation letter, first reported in the New York Times. The investigation has been suspended indefinitely. Of course, that is your decision to make, Pomerantz wrote to Bragg. I do not question your authority to make it, and I accept that you have made it sincerely. I believe your decision not to prosecute Trump for now is on um, misguided and completely contrary to the public interest. I therefore cannot continue my current position, and he resigns. Pomerantz wrote that he believed Trump was guilty of numerous felony violations, so he's doing an investigation, quote, an investigation, but he's already come to the conclusion. Uh, Pomerantz and Dune had previously agreed to stay on in the district attorney's office after Vance's term expired in January, and Bragg took uh, took the helm. One familiar source with the investigation claimed that the Trump case 
was political, fueled by the former president's political enemies, and said that Pomerantz shouldn't have been in the DA's office in the first place. Before joining Vance's office, Pomerantz was of counsel at the New York firm of Paul Weiss, Rifkin, uh, Walton, and Garrison. And uh, guess who is a partner in that firm? Chuckles the clown Schumer's brother, Robert Schumer. The article also noted that Trump didn't inflate his assets. He undervalued, undervalued them. He also never defaulted, uh, defaulted any payment to the banks. Pomeranz is a crybaby and a liberal, says Town Hall, who threw a, tent, a temper tantrum when he didn't get what he wanted. The resignation itself soaked in political animus. The point is over. Done. Trump wins. Liberals lose. Once again, the walls are closing in on Donald Trump. Not Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. By the way, the reason why uh, I don't watch the Oscars, we we talked about the uh, Will Smith slap of Chris Rock. But uh, one of the themes that ran through the Oscars last night, apparently, was the fact that the Hollywood elites kept um, vilifying Ron DeSantis and the bill that the Florida legislature passed and Ron DeSantis signed, which basically disallows for anything about sex to be taught to eight-year-olds and younger in schools in Florida, public and private schools, which I have no problem. I mean, of course, why would you? I mean, eight years, they, they don't need to know that at that point. And if they do need to know, it's up to the parents, not to the some elite schools. But yet the Hollywood elites, they were blasting Ron DeSantis, vilifying as best they could. DeSantis today turned around and said, listen, quote, if the same Hollywood elites who upheld degenerates like Harvey Weinstein now oppose our efforts to protect parental rights, I wear that as a badge of honor, DeSantis said. Good for you, Ron DeSantis. And yet, same time that's going on, the Free Beacon is reporting as a part of a social studies class, a New Jersey public middle school, middle school, forced students to watch a video about a transgender man's hormone treatments without notifying the parents. So this was a biological female wanting to become a male, and they're watching. The parents didn't know, but the kids were forced to watch this video. The video 10 years on testosterone details the transition of LGBT activist Adian Dowling through hormone injections. Teachers and administrators at Pearl Miller Middle School in New Jersey did not notify parents about the lessons, which included slideshows with definitions of different gender ideologies beforehand. Dowling later spoke at a school-wide assembly as a part of the school's Stories of Adversity and Resilience program. Uh, this is the best you can find. You're going to have a, a, a re, re, uh, adversity and resilience program. Think of all the people who have gone through legitimate trauma that are available to speak at middle schools. And who do they pick? A transgender that's going through hormone therapy. Um, concerned parents flocked to the school board meeting last Thursday night after they found out about this, um, where board members admitted to the parents that, oh, we're sorry, you should have been informed before the video was shown. Hey, we said we're sorry, so shut up. 
I'm so sick and tired of these school boards, teachers, administrators acknowledging that, gee, we went against the policies that inform the parents and protect the students. And uh, look, as long as I acknowledge I screwed up, uh, everything is fine, right? And, and, they, and they continue to do it. This is why the law in Florida is so important. This is why Ron DeSantis and the legislature in Florida passed the law. And listen, we need to have teeth in these. We can't just have policies because, with no ramifications because they're totally ignored. And at the end of the day, the kids are already indoctrinated. The parents have to go back and do double duty to undo what the public schools have screwed up. No pun intended. One mother said, I felt as if I was blindsided. Her two sons were shown the video. They learned about this ideology of gender before they even have classes on the actual biologies of males and females. The tension over sex education in New Jersey is one of many examples across the country where concerned parents battle public schools over radical gender and sexuality curriculum. Florida received national attention in March after the state legislature passed its bill that bans lessons on sexual orientation and gender identity from kindergarten through the third grade. This is what the Hollywood elites were protesting last night at the Oscars. We're protecting kids that are eight years old and younger, and they're outraged. First of all, they probably don't have a clue as to what's in this bill. They're just parroting what Planned Parenthood and other progressives that would love to yeah, there, there's another story about some uh, big mega donor in who lives in maine where was that uh i'm, I'm, I'm looking for it now but uh this big me- mega donor in maine was arrested for child pornography i mean i'm just saying i'm not saying every progressive is a child pornographer but it just why would you defend the these people that want to do these things, this, this New Jersey school board. Why wouldn't you defend the state legislature of Florida and Ron DeSantis? All the libs have lied about the content of the bill in Florida. And what happened in New Jersey is why the bill in Florida is appropriate. Even though the Florida bill only protects kids Through the third grade, if teachers, school board, and administrators continue to blatantly ignore policies, then you need laws like the Florida law, laws that have appropriate punishment, teeth in these laws, to take the violators to task. We don't need to, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, you were right. We were wrong. Sorry. And it happens again two weeks later in some other state. Oh, sorry. New Jersey is set to enact updated health standards. I mean, the progressives are going in the opposite direction. New Jersey is set to enact updated health standards this September, pushed by Democrat Governor Phil Murphy, that teach second graders about genitalia, reproduction, and gender expression. Second graders! Fifth graders will be required to define masturbation and differentiate between sexual orientation and gender identity. Eighth graders will have to define gender identity, gender expression, vaginal sex, oral sex, and anal sex. Eighth graders, why? Why do you have to have any of this in there? Can and we wonder why is it that our kids can't read and write and add and subtract? Maybe if we'd spend the appropriate time on that, 
and throw these other agendas out the window, our kids could read and write and add and subtract. Unbelievable. Why are private schools growing? (laughs) Need I say more? Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. See you at 5. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.